if you've joined us this evening, I thank you so much for being with us. And uh, I'm glad that you found the time uh, to, uh, to open your Bible and sit with me for a little while. Uh, if you have your Bible, and I, I hope you do, would you turn in your Bible to Philippians chapter 2? And I want to pick a few verses from there that highlights a particular uh, theology that I want to focus on this evening. Um, um, it is devotional, but it is also an understanding of deeper things. Tonight, I want to talk about the kenosis, the kenosis or the emptying of Christ. What did God, what did Jesus do when he emptied himself and became a man? What did he give up? What did he not give up? What could he not give up? And what should we give up uh, as we uh, think? And we're, and we're going to particularly look at that phrase called, you have the mind of Christ. So let's get into the word. And I hope I will not take too long, but let's try and uh, 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 get through this, these few verses. If you start with me, in verse 1 of, of chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. I'm not, I'm not expositing the whole chapter, and let me remind you. I'm just looking at a particular concept, the concept of the emptying of Christ. And this evening, I want to dwell on that with you. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, and that's the Holy Spirit, any affection and any sympathy. Okay, let's do that again. We're not studying this passage, that this verse, but we want to get the background. Where is Paul in his letter to the Philippi, the church in Philippi? Where is he coming from? What is he getting to here? So in the previous one, he's talked about conflict. He's talking about uh, let your manner of life show uh, Christ, etc. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, of course there is. I mean, that's rhetorical. Uh, is there any comfort from love? Of course there is. Uh, any participation in the Holy Spirit, by all means. Uh, any affection and sympathy, you can't do without it. Uh, complete my joy, that's Paul speaking, to the, to the believers in the church in Philippi. Complete my joy by being of the same mind. By being of the same mind. Now, is he saying that you... Adjust your thoughts to me. Now we have the same mind or we are on the same page, so to speak. Or is he saying, I adjust my thoughts to you? Or is he saying, we both meet halfway? Or is he saying something else? Dive in. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord of one mind. Now he's expanded his, his, his request. He's expanded his mandate here. Okay. Complete my joy. Make it complete by giving me or showing me these particular things. What? Number one, having the same or being of the same mind. We hold, hold, we're working on that. Having the same love. Now, what did he say to uh, to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He said essentially that love was maturity. Love was maturity. Love was growing up. And uh, the lack of love was essentially immaturity or 
childishness or infancy. He says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I acted like a child. But when I grew up, I gave up childish things. So when Paul says love, he's not talking about fancy feelings or sentiments towards one another. It's not even the affection and sympathy that he's talking about a little earlier than that. Complete my joy by being of the same mind. Note the word mind. Number two, having the same love. Note the word love. And then he says being, being in full accord. Being a full accord, that's that's absolute unison, absolute unison, coming in, coming together perfectly. Being a full, uh, uh, where are we? Being in full accord and of one, again, of one mind. But I ask again, is it my mind or is it your mind? Who has to adjust to whom? Should the husband adjust to the wife? Should the wife adjust to the husband? Should the brother adjust to the sister? Should... Who should adjust to whom? What mind? Okay. Verse four. Do not do verse three. Sorry. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Okay. I'm not teaching through this passage. I'm going to get to the kenosis. So, so we're just trying to figure out why is Paul bringing this up in the first place? Because no theology is just going to pop up on its own for no reason. It always has to do with transformation of character. Do not do do nothing from selfish ambition or count others more significant than yourself. So if you have this mind, this mind is going to think like this, okay? You can be selfish, don't be selfish, don't be conceited, and instead be, what does he say? Do nothing from selfish, but in in humanity count others significant, more significant than yourselves. So there's conceit and there's selfishness and there's considering others more significant than yourself. The opposite of considering others more significant is conceit. The opposite of selfishness or, 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 or uh, pride is humility. So th- that mind which we are talking about is going to grant you that uh, mentality. That mind is going to grant you that mentality. Now you can modify behavior, but if you don't have that mentality... You are a hypocrite and you will not be able to follow through. You'll not be able to sustain that for for a long period of time. So do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others, right? So, so far, he's talking to the Philippine uh, believers. He's talking to you and me. He's talking to believers. He's talking about maturity, but he's moving towards something that he is giving us as the answer. And here's the answer. Remember, I asked you the question, what mind? Your mind or my mind? Who's to adjust to which mind? Right? Verse 5 says, have this mind. Underline this mind. Have this mind among yourselves. So I take my way of thinking and my mentality. I set it aside. You set aside your mentality. And all of us together, we adopt the mind of Christ. We adopt the Christ mentality, the Christian mentality. So there is a foreign mentality. It is not, it is, it is foreign to us. It is not natural to us to think like this, to do like this, to work like this, to act like this, to, to speak like this. It is not natural to us. It is natural to be conceited. It is natural to have selfish ambition. It is natural to look out for our own interests. It is not natural to get into this. 
to have this mind. So he says in verse four, let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is which is yours in Christ. I want us to just absolutely soak up this one sentence. It says here, verse, verse five, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So you have been granted a mind that will result in a mentality that is yours in Christ Jesus. So one of the biggest, one of the most amazing things you get from being in Jesus, number one is salvation. Number one is salvation, eternal security, forgiveness of sins, absolutely. But one of the things you get on earth, immediate benefits, immediate advantages, is you get a new mind. You get his mind. Have the mind of Christ. Have the mind of Christ. Now, he says, have the mind of Christ among you. Among you. So he's not saying that you and your thoughts and your desires are of no significance. He's not saying that you are of no value, that your brilliance, your study, your research, your standing in society is of no use. He's saying when the unit, when the community comes together, the unity that is in the community will be brought about by the mind of Christ among you. So he says, if each one puts on the mind of Christ in relation to the other, you've got yourself a Christian community. You got yourself a Christian community. On your own, you're trying to be like Christ. But when you come together, you put on that mind. So I want to unpack this. Let's go over this one beautiful verse again. Verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So it's granted to you from outside. Okay. Verse 6. Who, though he was in the form of God, that means Jesus is God, Jesus was in heaven, Jesus was is eternal. Jesus is every bit God, right? So though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Now, some other uh, better translations would say uh, he did not use his power, his use his authority for his own advantage. So that's kind of where the understanding comes from. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. This is something that we need to become students of. What does it mean? What does Jesus mean by this? But emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Then we switch and see what happens to a mind that is uh, humble like that. What is God the Father do. Therefore stored on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and even under the earth and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of the glory of God. Okay? So we've got two things. One is what Jesus did and then what God did because of what Jesus did. Let's go over that and I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'll let you go. I call this the great step down or the emptying of oneself, the, the the kenosis, the emptying of oneself. There are several, there are four steps or four levels at which Jesus went further and further down. First of all, Jesus is God. Was God, is God, will always be God. You can't take that away from him. Therefore, Jesus never stooped to worship God, if you, want, if you notice that, but he stooped to become a man. So Jesus went from God in heaven 
to being man on earth. He did not think it robbery, if you're into King James Version. He did not, uh, although he was in the form of God, verse 6, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, held on to. He did not hold on to it. He was willing to let go of it. It's his, but he's willing to let go of it. He deserves it, but he's willing to let go of it. He can use it to his advantage, but he was willing to let go of it. That willingness, that willingness to let go of it, that willingness to step down was the humility of Christ. Christ was humble. There, He is the picture of humility, of, of emptying himself of uh, of. Of what he had, right? So he says over here in verse six, who 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 thought who though he was in the form of God, did not count it equality to with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. So the first thing, first level, he he goes from God down to man, and you notice he uses the word in the likeness of man. He doesn't say he, he became a man through men, as in he beca- he didn't come from the seed of Adam. And for those of you who have been understanding and studying this with me, if Jesus came from the seed of Adam, he would have been the seed of Adam. He would have been uh, he would have inherited the sin uh, curse. He would have inherited the sin nature. That is impossible. Cannot be done. He came apart from that. So he came in the likeness of man. That means he put on human flesh, but was not from Adam. I repeat, he put on human flesh but he was not from Adam. So he became from, he went from God to man. The second step down was he went, he went from master to servant. He became, he took on the form of a servant. The original is doulos. Uh, the Greek word is doulos, which means slave. He came in the form to serve. He put on a form with which he could serve. The master who should be served has become the servant who is willing to serve. This is not only positional, but it, it is also agenda-driven, right? So when someone who should be served, or you think, it, I deserve to be served, I deserve to be uh, respected, I deserve to be bowed before, and you give that up to serving others. John 13, he tells the disciples, he says, this, and we call it the order of the towel. Um, he says, if you know and call me Lord, and yet you're not willing to do what I do, then you will have no part of me. You will have no part of me. But if you do call me Lord, then you do as I do. Uh, because Jesus came to serve. Mark chapter 10, for the Son of Man did not come to, to uh, be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So the so you so have the stepping down from being a master to the servant. So the word emptying himself is this stepping down. It's this stepping down. He emptied himself from God to become a man, from a master to become a servant, from an innocent man. He was an innocent man. He did not sin to being an accused man. He hung on a cross with the, with accusations against him, and he took on the sin of the whole world, and the death he died was in your place because he was bearing your sin at the time. He didn't just die in your place for no rhyme or reason. He died because the wages of sin is death. So what sin is he dying for? Your sin. But how has it been put on him? By your faith. When you place your faith in Jesus, God puts your sin on Jesus. And Jesus takes the heat, hit for it. He takes the heat for it. And he bore on himself 
the, the so he became he went from an from a innocent man to an accused man and number four the fourth stepping down is he went from life to death he was a living man and he died he gave up his life he's the only one who ever gave up his life and he tasted death so the life giver the life giver became a death experiencer that's not good english but just go with me for now the life giver experienced death we cannot even imagine what that's like we cannot even imagine I mean, death comes from sin and god is a holy and there is no concept of him dying because death is separation from god so we caused by our sin the the great separation between the father and the son and he was willing he was willing to to face death for me what that meant i will only know when i get to heaven i will never know the side of eternity what that meant however these are the three so when you when you talk about the emptying of christ or he emptied himself you have the gandhian sort of an emptying which is a self denial and a self effacing you have other forms of uh, of of um, emptying which um, which really eradicates or erodes the persona the 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 the, the passions the love the giftedness the, the giftedness the, the uniqueness of of everyone's individual uh, footprint fingerprint but what jesus is talking about when he says he emptied himself he's talking about a stepping down if he was god he became a man if he was a master he became a slave a servant if he was a living he became he experienced death if he was uh innocent he experienced being accused and he took on sin for us so jesus emptied himself what did he not empty himself of what did he not empty himself of jesus never emptied himself of his deity he didn't ever stop being god he was god all through his human experience he was continued to be god and he continues now to be god he experienced death only because he was able to take on a body and on that body take on the sin so that body was able to die so he says this is my body which is broken for you so he took a body kept it clean and innocent all through its life made it a perfect sacrifice presented it to god in heaven and sprinkled on the, the blood uh, his own, his very own blood hebrews chapter 6 hebrews chapter 9 uh, he sprinkled his very own blood on the mercy seat not the one in the promised land but the one in heaven because he went over there and he did it himself so insane absolute insane what he pulled off but he did not empty himself of deity if he had emptied himself of deity he would have stopped being god which means he would have stopped being innocent or he would have stopped being holy he would have stopped being uh, a, a a worthy or what is the right word um a credible sacrifice because it has to be a lamb without blemish and spot so jesus never changed who he was he was always 100% god but he also took on 100% man now this is such a massive topic that we that i'm just brushing through it we could always come back to it on at a later date if you have questions by all means so jesus but i want to clarify that when jesus emptied himself he didn't stop being god he did limit himself that means he wasn't everywhere omnipresence uh he wasn't everywhere all the time but he was he, he was still omniscient and he was still 
I would say even in his omnipotence that is all powerful was contained. So he was still him, but it was contained and he was willing to empty himself because he needed to walk the earth, feel your pain, take your sin, go to the cross, die for you, resurrect, take your, take your uh, salvation into heaven and write your name in the Lamb's. So at this name that Jesus has, the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. So an all total cross creational uh, bowing is going to happen. It's not just that all man will stand before Jesus as the, as the, as the author and judge, but, uh, but all of creation, angels, everyone will worship the name of Jesus. I try and try and imagine with me. This is not just a situation where every man will stand before God, uh, Christ, but all of creation and everyone who's ever lived and angels and demons and everyone will bow the knee to Christ. We're talking about that higher level because of that great depth of emptying himself. Because he was willing to empty himself uh, in that, he was he was raised to that level. God, I'll talk about that in just a second. So every knee. The second one is every tongue will confess him as Lord. Every tongue will confess him as Lord. He's not talking about heaven, hell, nothing. He's saying there will come a time when everyone will recognize and repeat, recognize and 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 uh, confess with their mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, this is not lordship confession. Uh, Romans, Romans says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and believe that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. That is a confession of who Christ is now. If you and I, which we do, we confess him as Lord now, we are saved to the, to the effect of that faith that we are trusting that he is who he claims to be. He is from God. He has risen from the dead. He did die for our sins. So he is the Jesus that was in heaven, came down to earth, died, took our sin, buried it, rose again, and has, uh, is alive forevermore. Because we have chosen to believe that he is who he is, uh, we are saved. But when he talks about here, when he talks about every tongue will confess him as Lord, it's not a lordship a salvation uh, confession. It's a, it is a, it's a fact. I mean, they will come to confess him as Lord. They will recognize him as Lord. So right now, it is a belief based. It's belief based, but uh, a time is coming when the the doors of belief, the doors of faith, the doors of grace will close and everyone will know who Jesus is. And by that time, of course, it'll be too late for those to place their faith in him as savior. Now they're facing him as Lord. They're facing him as the judge, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So all of that so that God may get the glory, all of that so that God may get the glory. I'm going to end with this. Uh, in order for your, let me put it this way, our exaltation will only bring God glory when our elevation has been surrendered for service. Our exaltation will only bring God glory when our elevation has been surrendered for service. This is vital for our understanding. And no, we are not following the same path in terms of just because we also are like Jesus, we're all going to become lords, we're all going to go to heaven, and we're all going to be great. That's not what I'm saying here. But if we look at the pathway, Jesus was hum humbled himself. He did not hang on to what he had. 
He made himself a servant. He became nothing for us. He went to the cross and he became accused for us. He took that, took on death, which was not his to, uh, to experience. And he experienced our death. And then he replaced his, uh, his life with ours and our death with him. And he then uh, was exalted. So if you understand the pathway that Jesus has taken of, of humility that led to exaltation and the glory of God, then the same pathway applies to us as well, where we also exalt, our exaltation will only bring God glory. When God lifts you up, that's only going to bring God glory if our elevation had been surrendered for service. So a lot of the time in on earth, when we are elevated, when we are elevated, when we are when we are exalted, when when man is when man is uh, is um, glorified, it remains just for the man. It doesn't bring glory to God. Oftentimes, it takes glory away from God. You understand what I'm trying to say here? When man elevates, when man glorifies himself or glorifies another, he he basically almost sets himself up against God. He almost embezzles the glory of God to himself. But the kind of exaltation that brings glory to God, and only Jesus has shown that so far, the kind of exaltation that brings glory to God is the one where the elevation was surrendered uh, for service, where, where we, came, we, became not, we become nothing. So he says, this mind, this mind that Christ has, in Christ you have that mind. And it's been given to you for your unity. So now you together as a community can do what Jesus did as, as your Lord. What Jesus did as your Lord, what he did as an individual, you now as a community, a collection of individuals, a collaboration of individuals, you can do that together. You can serve together and you can bring glory to God together. What are we talking about today? We're basically saying that the emptying of Jesus, the humbling of Jesus was four steps down. God to man, master to servant, innocent man to accused man, and living man to, to, to a dead man. And he not only just any death, but the death of the cross. Therefore, he has highly exalted him. And this exaltation glories, give, brings glory to God and doesn't embezzle the glory of God because he became nothing for us. It was in response to God's uh, a desire for you and me to be saved. Jesus did it for the Father because the Father wanted you and me. May the Lord bless you. Have a wonderful evening, the rest of the week, and be encouraged in the fact that you have your mind, but you also have the mind of Christ. So when we as a church relate to each other, we are to relate to each other as having the mind of Christ. Very, very quick, let me just answer Ben's question here. Uh, ben, you're asking, uh, please, if you don't mind, can you kindly explain the difference, differences between spirit and soul? I would love to. Man is made up of three, uh, spirit, soul, and body. Let's start with body. A body is a physical containment uh, in which the spirit and soul is housed uh, while you do this uh, life here on a 70, 80, 100 years. Uh, the body will is made of dust and to dust it will return. The soul is the is 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 your mind, will, and emotions. The soul is your mind, will, and emotions. Your propensity to think, your propensity to 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 want, your seat of volition, 
that you can want something, that you have your personal will. And we call that free will, independent of God. And number three is your emotions, the your ability to feel uh, things. So there's physical feelings. Where if you touch me or hit me, I will feel it. But in, in, inside, I feel sorrow. I feel gladness. I feel joy. I feel jealousy. These are, these are uh, emotions that God himself feels. So in the spirit, you have a soul which, is, which makes who you are. Your spirit makes you a living being. It, make, it makes you uh, a, a, an independent life of, uh, that, that God has given you. So your spirit is your unique life, you as a person, eternal. From the point that you were brought into existence, you will live eternity, eternally. So that spirit will either live with God or away from God for the rest of eternity. That spirit is housed in your body for the duration of your life. And when your body falls to the grave, your spirit will go to be with God if, you're, if, if you've put your faith in Jesus. Your soul is down in the middle, which is connected to your spirit and will go with you to heaven because it is your mind, uh, not not just a, your cognitive brain uh, operations, but the way you think, which is why you can have the mind of Christ, like I just said. So the mind of Christ isn't granted to your brain. It is granted to your spirit so that you can think like Christ. So there's a thinking here and there's a thinking here, if you know what I mean. So that's the, there's, a, there's the mind, then there's the will. I want, I will. Uh, you, have a, you have an individual will. Uh, Satan is a spirit, is an angel who was in heaven. He wanted, he said, I will, I will, I will, I will five times in Isaiah chapter, uh, in, in Isaiah 14. And he, he wanted to be like the most high. He wanted to be like God. So a spirit has a mind, has emotions, and also has uh, a will. And those three are, are what make you an individual. It's your will, your emotions, and your mind. It is what makes you. And tagged on to that is a physical body. So the body is the only thing that will lie to the grave. It will drop to the grave. I will probably bury it if, if you are a member of my church. And then the rest of you in, remains intact and you go to heaven. So the difference between your spirit, the spirit is uh, the life of God that he, that he breathed into you. You became, uh, as soon as he breathed life into Adam, he became a living being. It, you are ruah, you are a spirit, you are an eternal being. But you also have a unique spiritual fingerprint, a spiritual footprint. And that is, you have a, your own will, you have your own mind. So that's what makes you an individual. And then there is your physicality, which is your body. So uh, a human being is actually mind, uh, sorry, uh, uh, spirit, soul, and body. And that's a very basic uh, explanation of that. All the best. Have a good night, everybody. God bless. Take care.